0: How many of you rather hear that again than me preach? Raise your hands. Seriously? Man, you can't preach after that. You're dead. Wow. Man, that was amazing. I get to do this twice and listen to this twice. If I were you, I'd come back to the next service just to be able to sing those songs again and hear that. God, we are so grateful that you are our anchor of peace. In the middle of all the uncertainties of life and all the storms of life and all the things that clamor for our attention, you're our peace. And so in these moments as we explore what it is that you told us to do and why you set aside this day and why we should set aside this day to do exactly what we have just done, help us to hear you clearly in the midst of all of that. This message obviously was meant to change our lives and to actually give us more life to help us to understand it from that vantage point and really begin to understand the power of what it is that you want to teach us this morning out of your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. My goodness are we blessed here. A lot of information in your bulletin. So make sure you read it carefully so you don't miss out on a thing. We've got membership class coming up November the 9th. That information is in there, but if you want to join, you've got to read all of the material ahead of time. Because it is a one-day event, so you have to be able to answer all the questions or ask the questions at the end of that. So please take advantage of that if you can. A lot of other information in there. Make sure you read it very carefully. You have sermon notes in your bulletin this morning, so take them out. We are continuing our journey in Exodus chapter 20 on the Ten Commandments. They set a stage. We set a pattern for them as you go through. And so if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll understand why this particular one here fits after the first three and the layout of what Joe and I have been able to do over the last few weeks. And now, once you understand the clarity of that, no other gods, nothing before me, worship him with everything you've got, with all your body, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, to be able to stop one day a week, at least in the middle of all the craziness of life, to be able to do that and recognize the one we come to, as Joe said last Sunday morning. And how important it is to understand that name. I am a follower of God. Nothing you ever want to take for granted. Nothing you ever want to use so loosely and so freely. Before we move to the next one, I want to ask you a question. And especially you guys. How many of you, last Sunday morning, after hearing this, went home and said, I, want, I think I can do that. Did any of you try it? I've got some here this morning, if you want to try it, you can take some home, but I thought that was absolutely incredible. Do not tell Joe I did that. (laughs) But if you try it, it actually works. (laughs) I want to remind you as we go through the process that these commandments were given to people already belonging to God. They were never given, even as Dave said that this morning, they were never given as a means to earn salvation. They were never given as a means to earn God's grace. They were given to people who are already free, set free by the blood of literally the Lamb, setting the stage for what Jesus is going to do in the future. And allows them the opportunity to live and to flourish in the freedom He's now given them as He has rescued them out of darkness and brought them into life as they head toward the promised land. And nowhere is that more practically applied than in this particular commandment. We're in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember, which means what? Don't forget. Don't forget. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath day to your Lord, to your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord, God. Notice again, you see last Sunday, Joe was talking about how the large letters and the small letters. He's saying this with absolute authority. God, Yahweh, the Lord, blessed that day and said, I want you, you and I, to make it holy. Holy means to protect it. To put a boundary around it to put a barrier around it. Don't let anything get through to that. Don't let anything keep you from doing that. Protected, respected. God says, I've got a gift for you. I've got a gift that will help you to enjoy life, help you to live life to the fullest, help you to live longer, a day that you can look forward to, a day that you can enjoy. God knows how we're wired. He made us. He made you. He made me. God knows exactly how we're wired, and he knows exactly what we need. And in light of that, he said, I've got a great gift for you, and I really want you to protect it and use it wisely. Now, before we get into that aspect of it, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, we cannot move too fast past the first half of that. Look at it again in your notes. For in six days, God created the heavens, the earth, the earth the sea that is in them, we cannot move too fast past that phrase. I believe there are a number of foundational truths in the Old and New Testament that we have to embrace and believe. The rest of Scripture flows out of those. You doubt them, and the rest of Scripture begins to crumble. You understand that? There are some foundational truths all the way through Scripture. There are some hard things to understand. Believe me, I get that. But there are some foundational truths in the Old Testament and the New Testament that you and I have to embrace to believe because the rest of the New Testament or the rest of the Old Testament flows out of those truths. New Testament, the incarnation. God became man. God, the God of the universe, became man. You doubt that and only see him as an individual or the Messiah, but not really God became man Then the rest of scripture in the New Testament begins to crumble around that because then it's not as significant that someone died for my sins or paid my price. It is significant when I clearly understand that the God of the universe became man and paid the price for my sin. You understand what I mean by a foundational truth? All the New Testament is built on that premise and it flows out of that all the way through. The Old Testament is built on this premise. In God's Six-day creation, he created the world. And the story flows out of that. Now, believe me, we've in a context over the last 50, 60 years where everybody's beginning to doubt so many different truths, where sometimes we wonder if some of these stories in the Old Testament really make sense and how they flow into the process. But I'm telling you, you and I need to understand that we believe God created this world We believe that God created this world, and he did it in six days. Little creation, literally six days. Kinds of debate, I get that. I honestly believe that teaches us that we have a young earth, not a millions and millions and millions of years old earth. Now, you and I have to decide, do I believe scientists who weren't there or God who was? Right? But you understand how clearly that is a foundational truth. This sets the stage for the rest of the story because I begin to doubt, or if I begin to doubt what God has done or what God says he has done, I begin to doubt some of the other things that God says he has done. Follow me? That's why that's so important. You can't just fly by that. You got to remember, evolution is a theory, not a fact. So often we see it as fact. But I love that phrase somebody gave it to me years ago that you and I have to decide. Do we believe scientists who weren't there or God who was? And you and I have to decide which one. Now the first part of that. Remember the Sabbath. Three purposes in your notes to the Sabbath. Physical restoration or rest. Sabbath, Shabbat, to stop. Secondly, spiritual alignment or realignment. And thirdly, an amazing reminder that one day a week, hopefully you're doing it every day, but one day a week, I get a chance to just reflect on everything that God has done for us. Now, this command speaks to a number of people. It speaks to those who really don't think much about the weekend and for those who really think a lot about the weekend and end up wasting it, especially for those who live for the weekend and can't even remember what they've done. But it also speaks as a reminder to those who we would call workaholics who never seem to rest. Now, I know some of you are forced to work overtime. I get that. I know a lot of you work different shifts, and I certainly get that. Or some of you honestly do not have a choice. You are forced, if you want to keep your job, to work 78 hours a week. I understand that. So make sure you're, I want to make sure you're aware of that. But I also know that most people or many people who end up working 70, 80 hours a week are not forced to, but just do. Do. Sometimes based on financial gain, you've got to be really careful with that. Or that's how they're wired so much that their life becomes what they're doing. And they do it all the time. They don't know how to invest in their family. They don't know how to invest in their life. They don't know how to invest in their marriage or their children or whatever that may be. And so they end up working hour after hour after hour. Some because they really want the financial gain. We want to stockpile it up. And others because that's just what they do, and they don't know how to turn it around. Researchers have found that people need, on a daily and a weekly basis, to have that unsustained, quiet moment, because if not, they're not able to sustain life over the long haul. You and I in your sermon notes function at peak performance when we take one day a week to rest and replenish. God knew that thousands of years ago. If we violate that design, we're abusing our bodies and our souls, and little by little... We diminish our effectiveness. We live in a highly sensual world. You know that as well as I do. We're constantly bombarded with images, sights, sounds, noises, and clutter. Our brains actually get adjusted to that. And in fact, if we're not careful, become addicted to the noise. To reset the balance in our senses, we've got to have a regular time of Sabbath where we experience quiet, rest, silence, and solitude. In other words, you know what the other words are? Got to unplug. Those words were written by a friend of mine who's a psychologist who said, we've got to understand, we live in a, such a highly sensual world that every sense in our body, and our life, and our mind is being stimulated over and over again. 50 years ago, you didn't have that issue. Technology is a wonderful thing. Don't, dis, I don't want to diss that. Technology, Thomas Edison thought the light bulb was the greatest invention ever. You know why? Because now we can see. You know the flip side of that? Now we work all day long and into the night never intended it to be the flip side of that. He just thought this would be great that we have light and have it on a more regular basis. What he didn't anticipate that that was going to cause the, industrial, or the agricultural revolution to go to the industrial revolution, which now instead of working from dawn to sunup, we just keep working. And then all of a sudden we do what? Shift work. No farmer did shift work 150 years ago. I mean, they worked all the time. I grew up that way. But all of a sudden, everything began to change when we did that. We need to understand how incredibly important it is to stop, shut down, unplug, and rest. Now, I've heard people through the years brag about never taking a day off for so many weeks. I just work nonstop, endlessly, and they talk about that. And they wear it sometimes like a badge of courage. What always intrigues me about that is why would you brag about violating that particular command? I mean, would you really brag about lying, cheating, or stealing in the context of those commands? Shoot, it was awesome, man. You can't believe what I stole this week. (laughs) I just got to tell you about that. I lied through my teeth this week. I couldn't believe how much I got away with. I mean, who would do that? Nobody would brag about those things. But sadly, sometimes we brag about violating this command. I've just never had a day off. Don't take a day off. Don't need to take a day off. I'd rather burn out than rust out. Doesn't matter. Either way, you're out. (laughs) Scripture speaks against being lazy. I get that. Absolutely get that. But to function effectively, we need regular rest to stop and enjoy what God has created. You see why the two go together? Second purpose, spiritual realignment. When God finished creation, I love it how it says in verse eleven, He rested. I don't believe God at the end of creation had to sit down and say, "Whoa, was that tough?" I mean, that light thing—like I just, just took everything out of me. The moon, the stars—I mean, you realize how many there are? I mean, it took me forever to get all of those done, and I just, whoo, that was tough. I don't believe God did that at all. God. Rested because he was done. The Sabbath day is not just a day of rest, though it is, but it's also a spiritual realignment to this eternal truth. So much so that I wrote it in your sermon notes that there is a God in heaven, and it's not you and I. So we need to quit acting like we are. To quit carrying around on our shoulders the weight and responsibility of the whole world, God calls us into a weekly discipline that will remind us on a weekly basis in a healthy way that God is in control so I don't have to be. Isn't that a great truth? See, otherwise there are two extremes if you're not careful. Two extremes to that if we don't understand it. One is arrogance, thinking the world or my business or whatever it may be can't survive without me. Or depressed, thinking you've got to keep doing it to survive. You see the difference between the two? If we keep doing it so much, so hard, so fast, so often, we act like the world or our business or whatever it is just can't somehow survive without me. Or we get so depressed because we got to keep doing it just to survive. Now, I know those of you who are starting businesses in different contexts of your business... Believe me, I understand the variations of all of that as you begin to start out, but you've got to figure out a balance in all of that. Because I'm telling you, it's gonna not only cost you your life or years or days in your life, but it's gonna cost you in real misaligning your priorities in life. And it'll cost you more than that. One of the most fascinating phrases I ever found years and years ago is in John 17, it's the hot, what we call the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Headed to the cross knowing that it's going to be in the next 48, 72 hours, going to be on the cross of Calvary, spending time with his disciples, been in the upper room with them, had the last supper. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday morning. Went out, they began to sing and talking on the way, and he's giving them some incredible truth out of the book of John. John records it more than anybody else. And then all of a sudden, he almost walks away from them and he begins to pray. And he says this amazing phrase, Father, I have completed what you sent me here to do. Do you have any idea how much freedom there is in that phrase? Because if you stop long enough to think about the ministry of Jesus, you've got to believe that there were more people to heal, more people to rescue, more people to redeem, more sinners to bring into the fold, more disciples to train, and the list is endless. You have to understand that there was hundreds of thousands of more things he could do, but he was able to come to that point in that particular prayer to say, gee, God, I finished what you sent me here to do. You know what that clearly means? He understood who he was, understood what he was here to do, and he understood his priorities. And he was not going to get them out of line, and he gave us an amazing example of that. You learn a lot in ICU for 6 days with your heart racing 180 to 210 beats a minute. I learned a lot by the necessity of doing this. You also learn a lot by watching people in all these years of ministry who for years overbalance and get their life out of balance and out of kilter, who work so hard and rarely don't understand how to enjoy the life That God has given them, and they miss the enjoyment of their children, they miss the enjoyment of their family, or they work so hard to stockpile to the end so that when we get there and get to that point, we'll be able to do all of those things, and then one or the other passes away. Got to understand how much I've seen in all these years of ministry when I've seen people get this out of line, and why I think it's so incredibly important. The third purpose is that a weekly reminder that we stop and pause and recognize. Now, you do this every day, I hope. But once a week, to be able to stop and be reminded of God's amazing grace. There's a lot of verses that I have, I think, in your sermon notes. One is in Deuteronomy 15. Remember that you are slaves in Egypt, that Lord God brought you out of there with his mighty hand. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day over and over and over again the Old Testament, God reminds them of everything he has done for them. Do you know why? Because he knew they'd forget. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When the Lord your God brought you into the land that he swore to your fathers, land filled with honey and filled with good things that you provided, that he provided, wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then you will eat and be satisfied. Be very, very careful that you did not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. All the verses that we sang about this morning, all the verses that Dave read, all the verses in the context of the sections of Scripture that we sang about this morning. In Ephesians chapter 2, you got to remember God's great love for us. God, who was so rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It's not like you had made so many mistakes or I had made so many mistakes that we're going to have a hard time getting in heaven. But we got a little bit of life in us, so we're going to get there. God says, I need you to clearly understand you were dead. You had absolutely zero chance at getting into heaven. No matter how good you were, no matter how much you have done, you had zero chance of getting into heaven. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God made us alive in Christ Jesus. He says it over again in chapter 2. Remember the time that you were separated. You were outside of God's grace and then you came back in. Verse 19 of chapter 2. You are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God, people and members of his household that we just sang about this morning. And in him you too are having a building being built together in a dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. Every single week. Again, I'm hoping you're doing it every day. But every single week, at least once a week, we've got an opportunity to gather together as God's people and celebrate what he has done. And obviously you need to recognize that every day, but the Sabbath keeps you from doing it so quickly. I remember what Joe was talking about last Sunday morning, how we can just run into our prayers. God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. Let's eat. And kind of forget that he did provide all of that. It's the same with the Sabbath. We'll run. We, we may recognize God's grace. Wake up in the morning say, God, thank you. It's another day. i have get another life. Get another breath. I'm able to enjoy the life that you've given me. And then go on with the life that he has given us. This gives us the opportunity to stop one day a week and shut down long enough. And be still and quiet enough that we reflect and we remember and we spend an hour giving praise to God, giving our offerings and tithes to Him. Somebody said a couple of weeks ago, well, singing is here is absolutely I'd come here just for the music. It is absolutely incredible. And somebody said, Don't you just wish we could sing the whole hour? And they looked at me and said, Well, I don't mean you shouldn't preach. <laughs> and, and I get that. Don't you wish we could just worship for the whole hour? And I said, We do. We worship for an hour. We worship by our giving. We worship by our reflection of God's word, by our processing of God's word, by our listening to God's word, by our listening to God's servant. We spend an hour in worship every week amidst of all the other crazy things that go on in our life where we stop and we spend time doing that. Now there are a couple of extremes that people have gone to with remember the Sabbath. One is legalism where we end up taking this joyous gift day and turning it into a religious duty day with legalistic obligations that suck the life out of the day what was meant to be a day where we get some rest and we realign our priorities and we stop to give thanks to god for his amazing grace instead of a look forward to day it becomes a have to day or i can't do day where I have to go to church, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. A lot of people grew up that way. Pharisees in Jesus' day raised it to a whole nother level. They had chapters devoted to things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. You couldn't go further from your home more than 3,000 feet. You could only read so much. Kids loved this one. You couldn't take a bath. Kids loved that one. No sewing, no baking, no washing. The list was endless the day and ended up being a wear-you-out day, trying to keep all the rules rather than a lift-you-up day. And you, like me, and especially my wife that maybe grown up in a context like that, there was a dozen things that she wasn't allowed to do on Sunday. Sadly, because of legalism, it took the joy out of what was supposed to be a great day. But if we're honest, most of us probably didn't grow up in a context of legalism. Sunday, for many people in our context, and maybe you as well, just became another day. A day where I catch up on all the things that I didn't get a chance to do throughout the week. We go to church many times out of obligation, most people, because they really enjoy it. But then we get home and get up, caught up on all the things we need to do or didn't get done in the other six days. It's hard to fill or fulfill the three primary purposes and do all the chores at the same time. It's hard to stop and rest, realign our priorities, spend a lot of time enjoying God's amazing grace and enjoying God's incredible creation when we're running around trying to do all the things that we didn't get done in the other six days or we run so much on that rest of the day after you leave church trying to fit in everything else we wanted to do that we've got to go to work on Monday to get rest. That's not what he meant by what he wanted us to do. Jesus confronted it constantly. There's a section of Scripture, I'm not going to read it all, in Matthew 12. But I think it's maybe in your sermon where he was trying to help them understand it's not about religious duty. It's about recognize what God has done and recognize the opportunity they have to meet the needs of the people around me. One of the points of that whole section of Scripture is it's more important to help those around me than technically keeping the law. The purpose of Sabbath was to give us rest, to realign our priorities so that we have energy sufficient to meet the needs of what God wants me to do. When I get my priorities out of line, I get too busy to do the things that God is asking me to do. And so I come to the point where I either don't recognize the needs of those around me or I'm just too tired to care. In your notes, when I set aside this day and put some boundaries around it, I protect it with everything I've got and I get some rest, and I realign my priorities, and I remember again God's amazing grace to me, it will definitely make me more aware of those around me and an opportunity for me to just celebrate every single week the goodness and grace of God. You know, I grew up on a dairy farm. My dad worked hard. I mean, from dawn to, to dusk. What fascinated me about that was a man who was trying to keep his family provided for in the middle of the economies that were constantly up and down, wondering about life, and a 150 acre farm, and 80 head of cattle, and all that kind of stuff. That man never single in all of those 65 years of doing all of that. Never did anything else on Sunday but milk the cows, which they had to be. Believe me, if you know anything about farming, you can't wait on them for the next day. We tried that once when we ran out of electricity, they did not like it at all. The cattle. As you fast forward, After 75 years of doing all of that, still living on the farm, he allowed other farmers around the area to do crops and to do all of our farming and crop the rest of the farm. Boys came to him one day, twins that we had grown up with, and said, you know, Mike, we'd love to do this. He said, I've I've got one favor. For 75 years, I've never did any crops on a Sunday. And I'd love for you not to do that. I'm not telling you what you have to do on your farm. I'm just asking if you're not. If you're able to not do that on my farm. He said, Mike, we've respected you for 70 years. We will absolutely not do that. You're going to have to decide what you want to do. I get that. When my girls were little man on Sunday, and you got to remember what I do for a living. I work on Sunday. But I'm telling you, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, I shut down. My kids, we had so much fun the afternoon. We did things. We spent the day sled riding, ice skating, building forts, doing things in the woods, swimming in the river, whatever it was, just to enjoy this incredible gift that God has given us in life, relationships, family, and God's creation, which I still think is why he puts it where he does in that context. Not only the fact that he rested, but what it is he wants us to do. We celebrate it every week. An opportunity on the first day of the week, I'm sure some of you may wonder why we do it on Sunday instead of Saturday. And When the Sabbath word was written in that context, we celebrate the day Jesus rose from the dead. And from the very beginning of the Christian church, that's the day we celebrate it. This command, though, is not so much about a day as it is an attitude about God, myself, and the life he's called me to live out. A light that has balance, that regularly gets my priority state, constantly and continually reminds me of God's amazing grace so that I have renewed energy to love God and love people. But if you don't protect it, you don't put a guard around it, you don't make it holy, I'm telling you, it won't happen. And so he says to you, I just want you to know, I've got a gift, man. I've got a gift, ladies. It is a gift that allows you every single week just to stop. Literally stop. Unplug. Realign. Did I get things out of line? Am I ignoring my families for that extra income? Am I ignoring my wife for the, my pleasures? Am I ignoring my kids? Whatever the, I can't tell you what it is. I know what we did. I know what I do. I know what I still don't do on Sunday. Not because I'm supposed to or shouldn't, but I get to. So, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stop. Don't look at your watch. How many of you already did? Be honest. No. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at your phones. Don't say, oh, dear Jesus, is he not done yet? For two minutes, I just want you to stop and say, God, what are you saying to me about this? Have I gotten things out of line? Have I not taken advantage of this gift that you gave us 5,000 years ago? It's not like we didn't know. If so, tell me what to do and what I need to rearrange in my life so that I do. And maybe it's just an opportunity for you one more time to say, God, thank you. So, bow your heads. Father, I'm absolutely convinced that you 5,000 years ago offered us an opportunity to live longer and to enjoy life to the fullest. Not to take things from us, but to add life to us. So continue to speak to us well beyond this 30 minutes. But continue to speak to us. Help us to be obedient to your word truth that it presents the life it gives as we enjoy what you have provided in the name of Christ we pray amen I know there are some that need prayer and love to do that, some of you need uh, anointed because you're going through some physical issues and love to do that as well when you walk out the door you can't help but enjoy the creation that God has given you this time of year so enjoy it to the fullest God bless you See you next Sunday morning. We move to the response to all of these commands next Sunday morning.